Episode R002 of Reboots is sponsored by All Things Sunshiny and Julie Amber Photography, owned by our featured guest, Julie Jones. All Things Sunshiny, sharing kindness one ray at a time, is a brand dedicated to bringing light into the world by way of Julie's original multimedia art and by Julie's blog, allthingssunshiny.com, and that is All Things Sunshiny with an E. A special thanks to Julie Amber Photography for shooting my headshots for reboots and for Winchell Storyworks. You'll find links and more information about Julie Amber Photography and All Things Sunshiny in the show notes. Hey there, you're dialed into Reboots, featuring stories about people who have been forced to start over, either through their own missteps or through no fault of their own. All walks of life, anonymous or named, high profile or low down, stories with heart, soul, and grit. Because knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a positive way. Now, here's your host, Tracy Winchell. This Reboots story features my friend, Julie Jones, mom, artist, photographer, and writer. Julie also finds time to volunteer in a number of places, most notably, at least for this episode, with Evans Project. It's a nonprofit dedicated to providing photography for babies in neonatal intensive care units here in the greater Fort Smith, Arkansas region. We'll talk with Julie about her relationship with what she terms a vending machine god. How a divorce forced her to answer the question, if I'm not his wife, who am I? And we'll talk to her about the moment she realized that living with rage and bitterness is not okay for her, and she'll tell us what she did about it. Let's catch up with Julie at her kitchen table on a gorgeous morning in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Thank you for inviting us to to your kitchen table, Julie, and sharing your story. Thanks for asking me, Tracy. I love hanging out with you. It's always a fun time. Uh, You were one of the first, when I started talking about this concept, you were one of the first, before I even had something to show you, an interview or something to say, here's what I'm trying to do, uh, you you were said, I'll do it. And so here we are. Let's talk about your business, All Things Sunshiny. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, ma'am. Um, All Things Sunshiny is my painting business. I do mixed media canvases um, for people, and sometimes I paint churches, and sometimes I paint girls, and I just like to encourage others. I say that it's all things sunshiny, sharing kindness one ray at a time. I love that. And um, we'll have the link to your your website yes, in the blog. show notes. Mm-hmm. I love your work table. Thank you. I've got a little temporary workspace set up right now because my, my other workspace is covered with too much creativity <laughs> at the moment. That's awesome. I'll sh- we'll, we'll talk a little bit, if you want, about where all things sunshiny came from because that's kind of an important part of your story, isn't it? That's a big part of my story, actually. And, um, you know, I feel like sometimes God plants the seeds of um, your big 
purpose is before you really realize that that's what he's doing. And so the name All Things Sunshine, he came to me at a time when um, I was just really sad um, and I felt things were just very dark in my life. And I was married, but it was um, not happy right towards the end of my marriage. And I just remember praying out to God um, one night. I was just on my knees crying and just praying, you know, show me some hope here because I have none. And um, the verses from John chapter one, verses three through five came to me. Is it okay for me to read that? Sure. Um, And so it says right here in John one, three through five, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and that just really spoke to me because it the truth was impressed upon me that all things were made through him even it doesn't matter what it is. It's going to filter through him. So that's where the all things part came from. And then the sunshiny is, you know, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And that gave me so much hope that no matter how dark I feel, no matter what the circumstances may be, his light is not ever going to lose. His light is going to always overcome that darkness. Wow. And that that verse speaks to what we're trying to do with with reboots, is to walk people through the darkness in their lives into the light and to show other people what is possible. Yeah. And so um, I just I think that's a perfect place to get started. So let's talk about. Um, Maybe a childhood story or early adulthood. Talk about what life was like um, in your life at some point before the darkness. Okay. Um, well, I grew up with a single mom, and she worked hard to you know take care of me. And um, I was I have siblings, but I was raised as an only child because they lived with their moms. We had, like have the same dad, so. Um, I spent a lot of time alone and um, my mom worked a lot. And so I was just home, you know, alone and I'm kind of introverted. So that works for me, I guess. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, and um, when I was about 10, um, I would always go and stay the summers with my granny and my poppy. And my granny is just one of those Proverbs 31 women mm. who, to me, she's just an angel. She's just an angel here on the earth. And I remember, you know, she would always take us to church um, when we would go and stay with her. And that was really um, how I got involved in church and um, knowing about Jesus. And I remember one night, I think I was nine or ten years old, She, I told her, I said, Granny, I want Jesus to come and live in my heart. And she knelt down beside me in the bed it was summertime you know and the windows were open and it was like you could hear the cicadas outside and she had this nightgown on and I had a little nightgown that kind of looked like hers and she had put on her moisturizer you know for the evening and so she just smelled so good and she just smelled like home to me 
and she held my little hand in her hand and she said, okay, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Do you know what it means for Jesus to come and live in your heart? And I said, yes, and I want him to come and live in my heart. And so we said that prayer and I will never forget how precious that moment was to me. Wow. Yeah. Reminds me of, of, of Seth Haynes coming clean where he talked about, um, visiting God in the mesquite trees. Mm-hmm. And there's this there's this space where a lot of us experience God, especially in our childhoods. Yeah. In those moments, just like that. <clears throat> and then life gets complicated. Yes. Yes, it does. And so that's again part part of part of our walks um you that was a beautiful moment and I, I i'm sure that that might be i mean was that the the closest you ever felt to god um looking back at it now as you know an adult no but at that time i mean that's just such a sweet innocent time yeah to me that seems like the time before you really grow up and realize that life isn't always sunshiny. Yeah. (laughs) Life isn't always rainbows and butterflies and, you know, Pollyanna view of things. So we might need to put that, that question on hold, Mm -hmm. the closest you've ever felt to God in your life. Yeah. Take us to a more, a a more grown up Julie and life. Okay. So, you know, life just went on as life does, and I got into college, and um, I met my, who would later become my husband, and I wasn't really going to church um, at that time, but I, you know, I had a desire for God. I had a desire for to know, you know, my higher, my higher power, um, so I met him, and he was going to this awesome church. And he invited me to come with him. And, I mean, at that point in my life, like, I was highly motivated to go and sit by a really handsome, you know, young gentleman. (laughs) If he wanted me to sit with him, I was like, okay, I'll go. Um, And I went, and it was a little church, and it was in the mall, and it was called Community Bible. Is it okay for me to say that? Absolutely. (laughs) It was called Community Bible Church. Um, And we met in the Phoenix Village Mall. And that was the first time, you know, I was really used to more of a traditional church where you had the pews and everyone was just, it was smaller and, you know, the preacher preached for hours and then you would go home and have Sunday dinner or whatever and then you'd come back that evening and you'd have more church. So it was just more like an all day thing. That was, um, it took me a while to realize that that what I was used to was maybe more legalistic than what I have grown to become accustomed to, which is more grace. Right. We met each other, and I mean, I was just head over heels in love with this man. And he asked me to marry him, and we'd only been dating, I don't know, maybe three months. And to me, it just seemed like the best idea in the world. You know, you're young. I was 22, mm-hmm. and I just thought, yeah. This is great. This is going to be great. And we got married, and it was great. It was great for a really, really long time. And a few years later, we had a little baby girl. And um, that was so special to me because whenever I was um, 10, I had a tumor 
taken off of my spine. And the doctors told me that I would never be able to walk again. And I walk every day. And they also told me that I wouldn't be able to have a baby. Um, Not that I couldn't get pregnant, but just carrying a child would be too much. So um, I'm, if anything, I'm very stubborn. (laughs) I thought no one's going to tell me no. And um, I got pregnant with her and um, had her and she's just great and she's one of my greatest blessings. We were married for 10 years and right around year nine is when things weren't so good anymore and that was really hard for me. And I know I know that you, you you're not afraid to walk with us through that darkness but I know that it is very important to you that we walk through this with a lot of grace and with care. And if you want to speak to that. Yeah, I will. Um, I struggled for a long time with how to share my story and how to be transparent while also being respectful to my ex-husband because I never want anything to turn into a bashing session or you know, he did all of these things wrong and like I was perfect and all of that thing because that's not how it was. And I, I also want to respect his privacy, you know, and his part of the story. And so I struggled with a while on how to share my part. I mean, it was a marriage, so you're, you're together, you know, it's hard to separate that out, but I think that I've found a way that I can share and talk about it um, and hopefully encourage you know, someone listening today who is walking that path right now or maybe has recently walked that. You, you want to talk a little bit about that process a little bit or do you just want to kind of go into the actual darkness part? I think maybe just kind of go into the darkness. Okay. Let's just dive right in Let's there. Let's do it. I, you know, I've always been a fairly positive person, just always trying to view the world around me as the glass is half full. Um, And when my husband came home and told me that he wanted a divorce, I I was shocked. Like, to me, from my perspective, we had a great marriage. You know, what are you talking about? I mean, I I honestly felt like aliens had come and abducted him (laughs) and had, like, programmed his brain or something. I just thought, what in the world do you mean? We're happy. And... Um, it was really hard for me to, when that bubble burst, and I really had a glimpse of reality. Um, so he, you know, he said that he wanted a divorce, and I mean, I was just devastated, Tracy. Like, my identity was wrapped up in being a wife, and I thought, if I'm not his wife, who am I? Mm. And I, I just couldn't deal with the, the hurt that came with that, and I couldn't understand it. And I was very angry. And it took me a long time to realize that it was okay for me to be angry at him for leaving mm-hmm. me, but that that didn't have to be who I was now. I didn't wow. have to just be an angry, bitter person, but I found myself turning into that angry, bitter person, and I didn't like it. I didn't like that that's who I was becoming. And and this isn't 
a divorce that all divorces are tough. They're hard. Mm -hmm. But this was one of those, this is my church. His family had become my family. And it just, it, it wasn't just your marriage. It was... It was my everything. It was truly... I felt, I mean, it was my foundation. It was everything. And I felt like it was so unfair that because he was making this choice, everything about my life had to change. I didn't like it. I was very angry about it. And I wasn't just grieving. Like you said, I wasn't just grieving the loss of my husband or the loss of this family that I so desperately wanted to have because I didn't have that when I was growing up. You know, my parents got divorced whenever I was an infant. Never knew what it was like to have a mom and a dad. And I'm looking at my precious little seven-year-old daughter at that time and just the pain in her eyes. I wanted to shield her from any of that ever. And it was so heartbreaking to me. Um... But at the same time, I wanted to walk through it with grace and not make it an ugly divorce. But I was grieving the loss of my family. I was grieving the loss of the man that I loved. I was grieving the loss of what I was perceiving as my reality, whether or not that's really what reality was. That was my perception of it. And I was grieving the loss of a family. Um, And our friends, you know, it's like, I think sometimes when you go through a divorce, your friends sometimes feel like they have to pick sides or something. And so it was hard. It was a lot of loss for me all at once. So what do you think that you, what do you think now looking back that you thought might be, might have been at that time your fault that you now see wasn't and then flip that around are there things looking back that you think I had no idea Mm -hmm. that you now can see maybe that I did play a tiny part in his choice right or not right how do you how do you disconnect that and sort that out so that you understand the difference that's a great question Um, I still think that sometimes I am still sorting that out. Um, It's been six years, and I've always been a really deep thinker. My stepmom says, I'm still waters run deep with that one. (laughs) Yes, Um, she's right. Yeah. (laughs) And I love that. If you know me, you know that I I am a deep, deep thinker about things. But um, I think one thing that I thought was my fault that I now know wasn't, is I put all of this pressure on myself to be this perfect, um, or in his eyes, you know, perfect wife to fit into whatever box he presented to me. Like, this is what's going to make me happy, Julie. Please fulfill this. And I had no boundaries. I had no self-worth at that time. I had no concept of um, how precious I was, Um, and I did. I just, I bent myself. I felt like an acrobat sometimes. I would just bend myself to be whatever I thought it was that he needed, and 
looking back now, I think this kind of answers the second part of your question. Um, It wasn't my fault that I couldn't fit into his box the right way. But at the same time, how could he love me when I didn't even know who I was? Am I making any sense when I say that? Like, I was, you know, a chameleon, always changing because I was trying so hard to please him. And I don't want to make it sound like he was impossible to please. I feel like I'm kind of getting into that territory where it's making him sound awful, and I don't want to do that. Um, So I'm only speaking to myself and my own behaviors, but I just so desperately wanted everything to just be okay. And I was willing to put on my rose-colored glasses and just smile and be in denial and just do whatever to make the peace in the moment instead of confronting, you know, an issue or confronting some unhappiness that may have been there or even asking myself, you know, are you happy? You know, what do you need out of this marriage? Because I've learned as I've gotten out of that, that, you know, a healthy relationship is two people giving and taking so where was God in all of this? Looking back at, at you through this walk through the darkness, where did you see God fitting into all of this? Looking back, I don't think that God really was in any of it. I think that for me, I had a desire, like I said, to be close to God, but I was idolizing my marriage. I wasn't praying about things. I wasn't... It took the last year of our marriage when things were very unhappy and very argumentative all the time for my heart to start to break enough where I felt like that was my last option when really it should have been my first option. So that's when I feel like I started to really start breaking, but I didn't reach my rock bottom then. Um, but that's when I really started to reach out to God genuinely. So you're telling me you reached, you God wasn't there at all, which is, wow, that, to admit that. Mm-hmm. So many of us, we talk the talk, but we don't live that talk. And to admit, hey, God just was not there. And then to seek God, seek him out. And then for you to tell me that, even after you seek him out, you still hit bottom. Isn't that supposed to be the safety net? Okay, God, I'm pulling the ripcord. Fix me. Right. So talk about that a little. You think it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I've learned that God does things on his own time and in his own way. And it doesn't always make sense at the time that you're going through it. But sometimes it'll make sense later and sometimes it still won't make sense. But you just have to trust and um, for me, I this was one of the things that I really struggled with, too. I felt genuinely, and I still do, that at that time I was really reaching out to God. I was really trusting him, and I was just handing over my marriage to him. And I truly believed that he was going to restore my marriage. And at that time, I had a vending machine mentality when it came to God. I thought, you know, God, I did my part here. I put my quarter in. I want 
my restored marriage. That's what I ordered. Yeah. I, I fulfilled my part of the bargain, but he still left me anyway. I couldn't understand he, that. Your husband or my God? Hus- my husband. I was still idolizing my marriage. I was still saying, you know, this is what I want. This is, you know, this has got to be the best option. I couldn't fathom that not being married, that getting out of that marriage could be the better thing that God had for me. So why didn't you just say, I'm done with this vending machine, God? I'm done. Why didn't you walk away? From God, I don't know. I I mean, for a while, I did walk away from God after my divorce. Um, I stopped going to church. I, you know, I stopped praying. But there was always something in me. There was always some small little something that I can't really name that maybe it was hope. There was something in me that still believed that things could get better, that things would get better. I wanted that. Maybe that's what it was, the desire for the things to be better, for the joy to come back. Is there a moment? Is there a thing that you did? Something you read, something that you started doing every day. That what? What was it that you just kind of? Well, we haven't even hit rock bottom yet, have we? No. Let's <laughs> let's do that. Okay. Well, I hope I don't start crying. I'll try not to. Um, I think my rock bottom moment was. It was probably two years after my divorce, and I mean, during that two years, I was very angry. I was angry at God. I was angry at my ex-husband. I was just mad at everybody and everything. Um, yeah, I was a cranky middle-aged lady. <laughs> you just now hit middle-aged right. sister. It was not attractive. It was not. Um, and I, I could feel myself starting to isolate so much. I was even turning my friends away, like the people who really loved me. I just didn't want to accept any of it. So my rock bottom came for me um I always would go in the closet to cry um because I never wanted my daughter to see me crying um I wasn't always perfect with that I mean obviously she saw me cry sometimes but one day I was in there and I just lost it I mean I could not stop crying and she came in and she was asking me mom you know what's wrong um I've what can I do? And it just hit me that here is my sweet little angel girl who is grieving herself the loss of her foundation. And she's trying to make me feel better. And there was just something so wrong with that to me. Um, and I just thought... Right then and there, Julie, you have got to do something to turn this around because this is not okay. This is not okay. And I was starting to lose my temper with her, too. Um, You know, I mean, of course, raising a child is frustrating at times, but I would find myself just, you know, like if I spilled Coke in the floor, for example, um, I would just 
you know, just be irate about it. And I think looking back, part of that is because I felt so out of control. I felt like everything in my life was just spiraling out of control and I could control nothing. And that's a hard feeling. You know, it's a hard feeling to, to feel like I have control over nothing. Like I can't even control whether or not this Coke falls on my freshly mopped floor, you know. And so, but she was getting the brunt of that from me. And, um, you know, I think I had stuffed down so much pain. I was kind of like that Coke. Like I was fizzing out all over the place. And unfortunately, it was landing all over her little innocent heart. And that wasn't okay with me anymore. And that's when I got to my rock bottom. So what'd you do? Well, I'd been hearing about this program at our church, at Community Bible Church, called CR. And I'd been invited several times by different people. Um, I actually was invited to start coming to it before I even went through my divorce. Mm -hmm. But um, that was kind of around the last year of the marriage when CR here started. Um, And I just was like, no, I don't think that's for me. You know, I still had that stigma that recovery was for someone who had um, a chemical dependency. And anyway, so I'd gone to, I went back to church. I had stopped going, you know, I told you that. And so I had gone back to church and I don't remember if it was Kevin or Ed um, who was plugging it on the stage. And I thought, I'm just going to try. So I walked in and I'll say one of the reasons I was not wanting to go to CR is because it was at my church and I knew that I would know so many people who went and I just didn't want the judgment. I was afraid that I would be so judged or gossiped about. I mean, there was just a, a fear in me that that's what would happen. And, you know, I got over myself really quickly once I realized what Celebrate Recovery, I keep saying CR, but it's Celebrate Recovery, what that really is all about. It's pretty awesome. I'm glad you went because then I got to come meet you later. (laughs) I'm so glad we met too. too. And I'm so thankful for Celebrate Recovery. It's, um, you know, I call everyone there my forever family. It's a wonderful, wonderful program. And so that is where things really started turning around for me. That's where um, God really started doing a work in my life. And I say that, you know, he's always been working in my life. He was working in my life even when I was ignoring him. But that's when I started putting in the work, too. And that's when I stopped having that vending machine mentality. And I started truly trusting that okay, God, my plans aren't your plans. You've got something good for me. I'm going to trust that. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Um, and I just trusted that whatever you have for me, whatever it is, even if it's not my idea of prosperous, even if it's not my idea of you know, happiness or whatever. I'm going to trust that you're going to restore my joy, that you're going to restore me. So at what point did you reacquaint yourself with that God you met thanks to your granny that summer evening? And at (laughs) what point 
did you go, you're, you're, there you are. Yeah. And then surpass that moment where you, where you've implied that you found even greater closeness than in that first moment that mm-hmm. you wanted to know him. Well, I have to be honest here because I'm all about honesty, right? <laughs> yes. You know, when I first started coming to CR, I thought this will be a great way for me to figure out how to show him that he really messed up. Talking about my ex-husband. Yeah. And um, I laugh so much at that now. That's funny? It is hilarious to me now. But I genuinely thought, you know... Um, I still had a hard time talking about my part in right. it at that time. But it wasn't very long. I would say three months, maybe, of going to CR. I started really seeing, you know, Julie, you've got some work to do on you. Like, not horrible things, but it's not all because of this devastating thing that happened to you. Maybe this devastating thing brought you here, but maybe it brought you here so that you can work on you and your relationship. And that's really when I was just all in. I mean, I just dived all in. What does dive all in mean? I just, I was there every week. I didn't miss. Um, I was excited to be there. I was excited to start seeing the change in myself. I could feel my joy coming back. I could feel, you know, my anger starting to dissipate. I could feel that even though I was still very sad, that even though I was still grieving this great loss that forever, I feel, has changed me, you know, now I kind of view time as before my divorce and after my divorce. I, I felt that way for a long time. Yeah. Um, that that was a, a big, you know, crevice or whatever in yeah. my timeline. Um, I just felt like this is working and it's working because I'm working it. <laughs> you know? I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> so... Was there a moment, or is it a process? It's definitely a process for me. There wasn't... I've heard some friends who um, I'm close to in the recovery you know, community who will say, this was my defining moment. Like, they definitely had a moment. Uh, it didn't work like that for me. Mm-hmm. But... I think, you know, I finished my first year. I went through the curriculum of my first year, and I just wanted to dive deeper. I wanted to really get in it, and so I started going to a step study, um, and that's just where we kind of go over the lessons more in depth, and um, that's where a lot of my pain started coming out, but it was like pain from way before I ever even got married. I mean, childhood pain. And, um, it was like those deep, deep, deep wounds that we all have. Those really started to be healed. And I think it's because for me, I felt like I had a safe place to talk about those things, uncensored, unfiltered, And 
someone could look at me there and I had no judgment. I got only love and acceptance. And that's so powerful. It and it's experiencing that helped me to realize that that's the way God loves you. Yeah. You know, he loves you that way and he's always loved you that way. He's never going to stop loving you that way. And that's when I really started feeling, I'm sorry, like I had a relationship. Like I finally understood tinily, and that's not even a word, but I just made it up. I'm good with it. <laughs> that I can have a relationship with this creator who made me for a purpose. And, you know, he's not judging me either. He knows it all. And he loves me anyway. What is the verse in Romans? There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Yes, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And it's so... It gave me chill bumps just now that you brought that up because um, I won't say her name, but if she's listening, she knows who she is. Um, During the last year of my marriage, when things were going really, really bad, my friend... um, she took me to Panera Bread to have lunch, and she said that verse to me. And I had read that verse before, but it was the way she looked at me and the way that she said it. It was just like, really? There's no condemnation? And I struggled with it for a long time because, you know, I was telling you about the, the years-long yeah. gap. So you realize it, but then you have to get good at it. That's right. <laughs> and I fumbled. But I'll never forget her saying that to me. And I'm so grateful for her to tell me that. It was like maybe one of the first experiences that I had as an adult of a person truly looking at me and seeing what I needed to hear. You know? Yep. Let's go back to all things sunshiny. Okay. That thing that you started out of desperation Mm -hmm. and the verses in John, Mm -hmm. what's it like now to sit at your art table and to create churches and sunshine and light and to find scripture verses that mean something to you or that you think might be healing to someone else. What's that what's that like now versus what it was like out of desperation? Mm-hmm. Is it different? It is different. Um I feel just more joyous and I sometimes I'll make a new painting and you know I usually I'm such a deep thinker. I've got something to say about it. And I'll put it out on my social media or I'll share it with someone. And it never fails. I will get someone who will message me. And, you know, sometimes I think, is anyone even paying attention? (laughs) One thing that I've learned is that it's not about me. It is not about me. And it is all about him. But it never fails that someone will message me and say, thank you. I so needed to hear that. And that's what I want. That's why I want to promote all things sunshiny. You know, I want to encourage someone who's walking in the darkness. I want to show them, you know, I have been there and I may be there again. I mean, God doesn't promise us that 
you know, things are never going to be bad again. But he prom- he does promise us that he's going to love us through it. And he promises us that the darkness hasn't overcome. So, so the person sitting in the chair listening to your conversation here, um, what words of hope do you have for them right now in this moment as we as we close your story? You are enough. And you know what? Let me say this. You might not be enough. You just might not. But that's okay because he is enough. Mm. And so he's going to take whatever it is. And he's going to make it good. It will be good. And you know that because you've experienced it. I know that because I've experienced it. Is there is there a book that that person might benefit from? Uh, a, the, a word of scripture beyond what you've read? A thing that they can do to take that first step toward light? Um, well, one book that I read when I first started my, I guess, recovery journey, um, and I want to speak to that for a minute if I can. You know, I said before that I kind of had that stigma that CR was more for people who had a chemical dependency or that that's who needs to be in recovery. Um, but Celebrate Recovery, I love this program because it's for anyone with a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. And, I mean, I definitely had some hurt, and I think we all do if we're honest with ourselves. And I had a habit of being angry. <laughs> and I kind of, you know, it's like I I just kept doing it over and over. And I had a hang-up that I could not get past the grief of this divorce. And that I thought it just devastated my life. So one of the things that I started reading on my when I first started my recovery journey was the book Boundaries by um, Townsend and Cloud. Yeah. Um, I marked all in that book. I think I've highlighted pretty much every passage in there. Yes, that's such a wonderful book. And then my friend who I spoke about before, who took me to Panera, she had given me a book called um, The Search for Significance. And that um, that was a really, really good book, too. And I try to go back to that every couple of years and reread it again, and I always get something fresh out of it. Um, and then, you know, I'd like to plug Celebrate Recovery. Um, I just think it, it truly is for anybody. Um, it's it's just such a good program. Let's talk about your your your. Let's, let's go into commercial mode here. Okay. You took my headshots today. I did, and I loved it. Where can someone view some things in your portfolio? And locally, how could someone contact you here in the, the Fort Smith area? Um, well, I have a Facebook page that is for my photography. So I, I have my photography and my All Things Sunshiny are two separate things. I try to keep them separated. Um, so my photography is called Julie Amber photography and you can find me on Facebook and it has my contact information on there or you can just shoot me a Facebook message I'm pretty fast at responding to them I have been doing photography since my daughter was about two years old so for about 12 years and my dad was he loved doing pictures that was just kind of like a hobby of his and I remember always kind of tinkering around with his cameras and stuff 
And um, after my daughter was born, I just had this desire to be creative. Like I just wanted to do something. And I taught myself how to shoot in manual mode and taught myself about the, you know, technology of the camera and things like that. And I've just really enjoyed I've really enjoyed um, taking photos. And I love it when someone comes back and asks me to to, you know, share their story again. And I feel like I get to be a witness to part of their life. Um, so it's just, it's a, I like it. You're also involved in Evans Project. Yes. Let's plug that real oh, quick. Oh, yes, Evans Project. So Evans Project is a nonprofit um, that my friend Stephanie started after my friend Monica and Sean Bumgarner lost their son Evan to trisomy 13. Um, it was very unexpected. And Stephanie, you know, we all love Monica so much, and Stephanie really wanted to do something to help commemorate Evan and his life. And so she went to the hospital here, the Mercy Hospital, and asked them if we could come in once a month and take photos for the parents that had babies that are in the NICU. And that's the neonatal intensive care unit. Because um, sometimes you don't know that your baby's going to go to the NICU. That was actually my experience when I had my daughter. Um, She got rushed off to the NICU and she was, you know, almost a full day old before I ever even got to hold her for the first time. And so I don't have photos of her first few days of life. Um, And so we go in if the parents want us to, you know, there's forms to fill out to say that it's okay. And we, we go in on a volunteer basis and we take pictures of the babies and the families so that, you know, you're so busy taking care of your baby right then. Right. You're not thinking about um, capturing, you know, they grow so fast and you're not thinking about capturing those moments. And um, so we go in and do that. And I, I am just privileged to be a part of it. Like it just gives me so much joy to go in and see the babies growing and. It's a good ministry. We'll have a link to uh, Evans Project in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, evansproject.org. And I want to say that all things sunshiny is with an E-Y. Got it. That's right. <laughs> what a great story and a beautiful soul. If you're struggling with self-worth or anger or maybe grief, perhaps Julie's story will bring you comfort and some measure of hope. Thanks again to Julie And all things sunshiny, that's with an E, and Julie Amber Photography for their support of our show. If you're enjoying our Reboots podcast and would like to help us sustain this effort, you can support the show financially at patreon.com forward slash Wenchel Storyworks. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Wenchel Story Works. I'm Tracy Wenchel, and we're glad you joined us for this edition of Reboots. We'll see you next time. We'd love to hear your Reboots story privately on our StoryWorks blog or as a guest on an upcoming podcast. And we appreciate your feedback, either in the iTunes store or by way of email. Drop us a line, reboots at winchelstoryworks.com or on our website, winchelstoryworks.com.